Hello everyone, my name is Mike Dice. With me, as always, is my cohort... Elias Sapella. I've been introducing you for the past few weeks. So I, I let Thanks, you man. Yourself. Yeah, it was a nice... It was, a, it was unexpected. My timing was off. Right. You, you're <laughs> caught off guard. Um, we are back to talk about all things UFC uh, and MMA, and we're being joined by James Krause, who was uh, injured and forced off a card recently. So he'll be joining us later in the show. I think we'll try to have him on at 2.30 Central Time on the dot, so half past the hour, maybe 25 minutes. Um, and until then, we're going to talk about some topical things uh, that's going on in the world of MMA. And as always, I wanted to remind everybody that they can call in at 815-570-3923 to leave a voicemail to be addressed on the show. Um, so feel free to use advantage of that. Leave a voicemail with your name and a question, and we'll answer it on the show. And you'll be a part of Extra Rounds history. So, first thing first, I wanted to bring up, not necessarily an MMA topic, but I wanted to bring up the Cubs. With, for those of you who don't know, we do the show out of Chicago. We both live in Chicago. Uh, so that was a huge thing for us. Um, Did you play city. last night? Yeah. No, I didn't know. Were you out? Were you <laughs> uh, now, I am a... I live on the north side. You live on the south side. So we have different perspectives. I actually live on Addison about a mile away. So uh, even though we lived a mile away, we were still getting a lot of the the celebration effects. Um, So I was curious, what was it like for you on the south side? It's it's been a really interesting thing uh, throughout the, the playoff run for the Cubs. So I grew up a Sox fan. I'm not one of those Sox fans as a Cubs hater, as long as the Cubs... Fate doesn't affect the Sox negatively. I always want them to win. I always have. But, I've, you know, you see more and more jerseys. You see more and more Ws. I'm like, where? You, you see people at when they clinch the pennant, um, fireworks, gunshots, shouting, uh, nice gunshots, right? Um, not bad ones. I'm like, where was this in 2005? So I was a little bitter because there seemed to be a lot of, uh, a lot of excitement over the Cubs that wasn't there for the Sox. Last night was pretty... Pretty good. I have to say, it was a little noisier, a little longer when they, when they, when they won the the pennant. I don't know why. Just on my particular block. Like I didn't go around touring the South Side neighborhoods. Just on my block. Um, that's in the western part of Pilsen. There was some excited. There was some excitement, but it didn't go quite as long before. So, for me, we went. I went down with a guy in the office for the NLCS. So I was like around Wrigley for that, yeah. and that was crazy. Now the scenes that like I saw on TV weren't as as uh, it was a lot bigger at the World Series than it was from what we saw mm. firsthand at LCS. But the, we weren't interested in having any part of that, or at least I wasn't, <laughs> having done it once. Um, it's just, it gets a little rowdy, and people are all fired up. and you know, I don't love Wrigley like on a Tuesday with no game at 2 in the morning. It's a little too rowdy for me. So I think yeah. World Series Game 7 would have been crazy. It's, uh, yeah, it, it was definitely, uh, for those of you who don't know, Wrigleyville is kind of a, when the Cubs aren't playing, it's, just kind of a barred area that's usually pretty popping regardless of whether the Cubs are playing. So when the Cubs are playing, it's just taken to a whole nother level. But uh, it was definitely interesting. And I lived in Addison and I got to hear um, some of uh, the the celebration. It kept me up all night. You can go to my Twitter and see a video of what it was like outside my window. It's just honking to like four in the morning, you know, people on motorcycles revving their engines. So to bring this back to MMA, which is what the show is about a circle. If you had to compare the Cubs winning hmm. this world series to an MMA moment, I'm not going to say a fighter <laughs> or a champ, just a moment. So interesting. What would it be? 
So I think the Cubs on the whole are such a crazy. Go ahead, go ahead. What are we gonna no, say? Go All right, the Cubs on the whole are such a crazy underdog franchise that you want to like compare it to maybe some of the most shocking upsets ever, like Matt Sarah knocking out George St. Pierre for the welterweight title after winning Tough Four in 2007. But at the same token, like this moment, this last couple of years, the Cubs are not. You know, they're they're not like a shockingly like successful team that the best record in baseball right like they they've they've been scouting well and big, making big moves recently so it's not like immediately apt maybe something like um Robbie Lawler winning the welterweight title for a, a juggernaut at American Top Team who had, although they had had a world champion in Mike Brown before at 145 they hadn't had a UFC champ yet and Lawler is an old timer but he was a free agent pickup a few years ago like it was scouting but it was in recruitment but it was it was still like a big name it was like uh picking up um uh well now i can't remember his name the the cuban closer uh it's like picking Chapman. yeah like picking up thank you it's like picking up you know a, a real stud it wasn't someone that came up through your system or farm system per se so yeah that's a that's an interesting question i don't know maybe robbie lawler winning the welterweight title for att I don't, i'm not sure well See, you were thinking much more team. I was thinking, when I was thinking about this before the show, I was thinking of a fighter in particular. So, mm. uh, of course, because of recent events, Michael Bisping came to mind. That's you know, a great Long-time one. UFC veteran. Uh, got close to the title. And part of what made the Cubs so interesting is they got to the NLCS, but they never got to the World Series. Yeah. So they never got the sh- title shot yeah. in the championship game. That's a great point. So, like, you know... Bisping always got to the title contender fights, but never got the title fight yeah. um, until 199 when he won it. So, and that kind of came out of nowhere. Um, you could say the Cubs kind of came out of nowhere five <laughs> years ago. They lost 100 games. You know, so um, that was it. Of course, Robbie like Lawler that. also came to mind because of his, you know, was in the UFC, left the UFC, yeah. came back, then won the title. So um, it'll definitely be interesting to see how the fallout from that uh, carries on going forward. Um, now, the other interesting thing is uh, Dwayne Finley, mm-hmm. Flow Combat, yeah. made a jersey bet with Stipe Miocic. <laughs> uh, Dwayne is a Cubs fan. Uh, Stipe is a uh, Clevelander, so he's obviously an Indians fan. Yeah. And the bet, I guess the terms of the bet, and they did this on Mike Pendleton. He writes for fan site at M- MMA Combat Press, and he has a podcast that he does that I've been on. I think you've been on, yeah, too. Yeah, as yeah, I, guess. I have. Yeah. He, uh, he, I think it was on his uh, show that the bet came about. And, uh, That's funny. I didn't realize with, that. With Dwayne. He was talking, interviewing to Dwayne, and then I guess Dwayne put it out there and Stipe responded. But the, uh, the bet is that Stipe now has to, because he lost the bet, get a Cubs jersey with Finley on the back. <laughs> if, uh, Indians had won. Dwayne would have had to gotten a jersey with uh, an Indians jersey with Mia Chichel. Wow. So That's huge, too, because for savvy, true, true sports fans know that Cleveland is working not on their second world title, but their third this year, because Stephen Miocic is uh, you know, from the Cleveland area. He's the heavyweight champion of the world in MMA. Um, so obviously you got him, you got the Cavs, and they were hoping to have the Indians, too. So that's, a, that's, if, like, that's if like LeBron James had made the bet with uh, an NBA uh, right. reporter or something <laughs> as, a, as an mma fan like i sometimes get irked by the fact that steve bays do, he doesn't always get credit for sure. breaking the curse sure like i think personally that he should him. yeah but you know that's mma mainstream trying to break in conversation <laughs> anyways well he's gonna look good in that jersey right well moving on uh the first fully ufc or mma topic that i wanted to get into is ronda rousey she mm. doesn't do a whole lot of media since uh, the loss with holly Holm, so it's a uh, slim pickings when it comes about though with the fight coming up she's doing a little bit more she appeared on the ellen degeneres show and uh one of or the 
arguably the most notable thing that she said was regarding her future in uh, MMA. So wanted to uh, play that quote real fast. So now you're going to fight this fight, and you will win, I assume. Um, and then w- w- how much longer will you keep fighting? Because it's, you know, it's a dangerous business. Not that long. I'm wrapping it up. This is definitely one of my last fights. So. One of your last fights. Yeah. You better, everyone better watch. Yeah. The show is going to be around forever. Well- <laughs> so basically saying that uh, UFC 207 was one of, her, uh, one of her last fights. Now this is a notable headline, so it got shared around on the Internet a lot. So, I'm going to ask you, yeah. were you surprised to hear that UFC 207 is one of her last fights? I guess I wasn't. I was surprised. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, it's interesting that she's talking about it, because that brings a whole meta thing into this. I mean, I, I, I guess, I don't know Rhonda uh, at all, personally, but I guess I was, al- along with much of the other MMA world, and assuming that she came back at a specific time for a specific opponent and opportunity, and probably doesn't want to do it f- forever especially if she can be successful here because she's got other opportunities easier ways to make money than than the hard training she's doing she's since she was a kid so i kind of assumed she wouldn't be around forever like i, I don't know i don't know Will she fight misha tate again again will she does she really want a matchup with holly Holm where she this is a chance at becoming a world champion again heck i wouldn't be surprised if this is her last fight ever so you're you're not surprised because you feel like there's nothing left for her to accomplish in the sport yeah, I mean, she could definitely. There's always something, but I think I think she's been uh, a high level athlete for so long, and I think she's given indication that she's weary of of not maybe maybe not the fighting, but everything that goes along with it. Her her fame that she's really had the last two years, like she's like really famous now, not just fight famous. Like she's on Ellen, she's on you know, Sports Illustrated. That's got to get old real quick, you know. I don't know where she lives now, but it wasn't too long ago she had a, a little apartment. And in Venice Beach, and just you know, go get some coffee, walk around. Like I bet, studio. Yeah, like talk about with the mattress on the floor. Exactly. I bet that's uh, that's hard to do now, right? Well, first of all, shout out Sports Illustrated. What up? (laughs) And then uh, second, uh, well, you know, Rousey before the Holly Holm fight was making headlines first, uh, saying that she didn't want to fight into her thirties. Yeah, she turns thirty in February. Now she said she was okay fighting during her thirtieth year. But 31 is into the 30s. She kind of yeah. drew that distinction. So for me, when I saw all that making traction, and you know, the casual fans aren't necessarily, they don't have, they don't obsess over it the way that we do. Right. So maybe that they didn't remember that. But when I saw that going around, I was like, well, duh, she yeah. said that. But you do bring up a good point. I was talking with Jose Youngs, mm-hmm. uh, fan sided MMA, Flow Combat. He was saying, uh, we were talking about uh, somebody did a post on Cage Pages, uh, five fights we want to see for Ronda Rousey before she retires. And uh, we were joking, and Jose joked that the list would be one cyborg, two cyborg, three cyborg, four cyborg, five Holly Holm. <laughs> you know, we laughed in it, but it's true. So, yeah. You know, she gets the belt back. Okay, that there's a reason for her to have this fight. There's not a reason for her to fight Tate anymore. She So the, the things that she w- would want to do, and I'm not saying she needs to do, but would want to do in her career is win the belt back, and maybe avenge the Holly Holm loss. Right. And, you know, I'm leaving Cyborg off that list because I don't know that she wants to fight Cyborg. Doesn't look but, like it. Um, you know, well, so I wasn't too surprised. Yeah, surprised. I'm with you. You made some good were. points there. Yeah, and I like that list. <laughs> I mean, that was uh, Jose's list. I hadn't even thought about it. Like I, I just brought up the discussion and he threw that out there, and I was like, yeah, that, that's right. Yeah. So that's, that sounds that about right. I don't even know who who else. I, I got to read their list. See what who the hell else you, they put. You know. Um, 
I can't remember, but you know, good fights. Yeah, you know the like the Gina Carano thing never happened, and people sure. were talking about that. Uh, you know, some other people who've been kind of rising. Like, do you want to see your fighter Raquel Pennington or yeah, you yeah. know Jessica if she was ever able to get the win over Betch Correa would have been sure. you know in that conversation. Juliana Pena. Oh yeah, um, absolutely. But you know those. It's not necessary for her to fight those people. It's necessary for those people to fight her, but it's not yeah. necessary. They don't, to quote, um, I mean, I can't forget which fighter was saying this, but those fights, maybe it was Tyron Woodley, uh, those fights don't do anything for Ronda Rousey. Yeah, I mean, other than like... They don't do anything to push her legacy for They definitely don't. They'll make her some money, right? Because any fight... But you got to draw the line somewhere. I won't go into it, but just uh, before the... On the way here, I was chatting with John Howard, former UFC fighter, and uh, he was just talking about he's made some life changes. He moved from Hashtag the Boston area. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's an interesting situation. He's actually, I will shout out to whomever is doing this. Um, I guess it's broadly Viacom, I guess. <laughs> but but he's on a new segment. He, they got a segment on him that uh, uh, John Wartime is doing, who's from SI, an editor there, um, or the editor there. Um, they're doing, he did on John Howard because Howard was recently diagnosed with autism. His daughter has it. It's interesting. But he moved to North Carolina. He's doing a. Uh, another job. There sounds like a really great job, but he retired from MMA. He's a young man, but he's been doing it for a while. My point is, you got to draw the line somewhere. There's always a next fight, and you know, so you got to you got to stop fighting. Like Ronda fighting anyone is always interesting, but she's gonna have to draw the line somewhere. And I guess if you're rich, you can draw it sooner than later. All right. Uh, last thing on Rousey, Stephanie McMahon told TMZ that she wants to bring Ronda Rousey back to the WWE. Do you think? That's a smart move for Ronda Rousey post MMA career. I think it's something that she would should really think about and talk to people that have been pro wrestling for a long time. It seems like easy money if you've spent your whole life competing and, and training really, really hard. You're like, oh, they're not even competing. The world of professional wrestling is extremely brutal, callous, cruel. It's a lot like the fight world. It's not good on the body. It's not good on the mind. I'm assuming Ronda, if she's signed with the WWE, would have a, a better schedule than most, right? She's not going to be on the road 300 days a, a year, probably driving a, a Ford Focus cross-country or something like that. Um, so it might be easier on her, but that's a rough world. It's a, and the WWE is a particularly bad world for women. I'll say that speaking for myself. You look at the amount of lawsuits that have come out from st- women, female stars and the things they allege. It's not, <laughs> I think anyone should think really hard about what pro wrestling, how hard pro wrestling really is demanding, even, even if you don't think it's like a, a bad world. It's a demanding world. Okay. She better get herself a Brock Lesnar schedule. She's going to do that. So I had an answer yeah. for my turn to talk, but now I, I have, you've said things that I want to address. First, the, the travel and things she wouldn't really necessarily to deal with because she'd almost be assured to get a Brock Lesnar schedule. Mm-hmm. That way she can show up, she does some promos, she does a match at a pay-per-view event, and she bounces off. Mm-hmm. That allows her to keep doing the entertainment thing. And it's beneficiary for her because, one, as she tries to promote herself as a movie star, she can tap into that market, much like Dwayne The Rock Johnson did early before yeah. leaving the WWE for an extended period of time, and now he, he kind of comes back Still to the Still uses WWE. it, though, right? Every, it's huge. Yeah. yeah, he comes back. He you know has a run-in with a with the person that maybe it results in a match maybe it doesn't you know he shows up at wrestlemania and he kind of gets to tap into the market so she could cultivate a fan base yeah. there for the films as well like the rock did um so i think in that regard it's beneficiary now regarding the women in mma uh, in wwe it, they they are seemingly making an effort to change things that's good recently uh women main evented a pay-per-view for the first time in company history like a couple weeks a month ago or something so um that was a huge monumental thing and 
maybe there's I hadn't even thought about this before you mentioned it, but maybe there's an opportunity for Ronda Rousey to come in and help change an industry like she for did women, with MMA. Like she did with MMA. Yeah, that's a cool. Which would that's a cool be a huge idea. legacy. It would be. I mean, it really would be. As far as I know, there's no woman who's ever gotten the Brock Lesnar contract mm. deal schedule. She'd be the first. Yeah. And with good reason, she brings star power. Absolutely. You know, you talked about uh, her being really, really famous. You know, for us who are MMA fans, like Conor McGregor seems to us like a bigger star. But the thing is, like, if you go to a random Starbucks and you go up to somebody and you say, do you know who Conor McGregor is? They might not know. But if you say, you know who Ronda Rousey is, oh, they everybody knows. It seems like it, right? Yeah. Right. The last year really does seem like it. Colin Cowherd, when he was on ESPN, used to always do this thing where he would test uh, how famous a celebrity or athlete really was based on whether or not his mother knew who <laughs> they were and what they did. You know, like he'd be like, do you know who Alex Rodriguez is? And she'd be like, yeah, he's a, a baseball player, I think. And then he'd be like, do you know who Derek Jeter is? And she'd be like, yeah, Yankees. And he's yeah. like, that's how I would know who yeah. was more famous. So it's a good um, measure. Yeah. I mean, I haven't done any research into this, but I'm just assuming that, that that's I've how done it. similar stuff with my mother-in-law. Right. And yeah. So, and, and she knows she's, she's yeah. right about Rhonda. Yeah. See, I can't ask people around me for like that kind of thing. Cause I talk about it. Wait, <laughs> you're, you you're their source of information. Yeah, exactly. That's funny. Um, my, my fiance makes Conor McGregor references like, <laughs> right now, and accurately. So, um, wanted to move on, uh, before we bring James Krause on, uh, we have, um, Rockhold pulling uh, out of his fight in yeah. Melbourne later this month. Uh, he was going to fight Jacare. They had kind of set up this little middleweight tournament, unofficial tournament. They had two bouts between top contenders, Chris uh, Weidman and Romero, uh, Jacare and Rockhold. And one of the winners of those two fights was going to get the shot at Bisping. Uh, so, with Rockhold pulling out, does that make Weidman Romero a de facto number one contender bout? Or does it just push Jacare to the front of the line? Well, they had an opportunity to make things a little bit clearer. I think I think Kakade should is the number one contender based on his his win streak. All right, you got the matchup with with Luke. Great fight, kind of a weird thing because because Luke was coming off of a loss. Uh, you could say you know then all right, let's the winner of that gets the next title shot. I I don't even I mean Romero has scandal with PED stuff with his fight over Hakade, but also don't I didn't even score it for him. I, I thought it was a close fight that Hakade won. So I think. This opportunity was to just say, Hockaday, we're going to pay you your show money. Can you wait around until uh, Bisming heals up and, and, and just fight him? That was an opportunity uh, for the division, for Hockaday, uh, out of something really rough, which is Luke's uh, knee being hurt again. So I, I think the UFC doesn't know which direction they're going to go. I think they want to see um, what like uh, numbers they get for certain guys. I bet they'd love to have Weidman uh, fight uh, Bisping. Uh, I, I, they're clearly reluctant to have a guy like Hockaday at middleweight or, or Damian Maya at welterweight um, get a title shot. These guys are going to have to do like John Fitch and win like 67 fights in a row to, to get it, I think. Um, so I, I, I don't think the UFC knows what's going to happen yet. Um, I, I think Hockaday is the number one contender. With his win streak, it just doesn't make any sense that he isn't. But if he loses now, <laughs> like he's taking a replacement opponent now, that throws everything into right. it. I, I, I could... I could get behind that, though. I do feel like if Weidman wins, he has a very strong case for it as well. Former champion. There's legacy there for sure. Offenses, um, One fight win streak. That's I mean, the difficulty, though. He, he was finished by Rockhold, but it wasn't a first round finish like we saw with Woodley Lawler. Sure. It was, it was fourth round, I think. Yeah. And, I mean, he I could argue it, that it could have been finished in the third round, but sure. um, it was. Quick finishes are easier to justify, fight. though, don't you think? Like, for, hey, he just got he just he just hit me, and like I just went it out. It depends. Real quick. 
Uh, I think a quick finish like Aldo McGregor, mm-hmm. definitely. Yeah, okay. With Lawler Woodley, you can make that same argument, mm. but I don't think it's quite mm. as easy made. Mm. I don't know. So it depends That's on the feel of, of how it goes on. Yeah, no, yeah. I'm with you. Yeah, like the you know you can say like the Aldo McGregor thing like that. It's just like a lucky flukish thing. Mm-hmm. Whereas the Woodley McGregor thing, I think that happened like two three minutes into the round. Mm. It's a little bit more. Yeah, yeah setting right. up and. Thirteen seconds is quick. Yeah, that's right. true. <laughs> I mean, it was like the first. It was the first engage. It really was. Uh, yeah, it was like the third punch he threw. Anyways, moving on. <laughs> um, Michael Bisping, he's uh, been pursuing a fight with either Nick Diaz mm. or Georgia St. Pierre at UFC 206, uh, which is a topic in itself. Uh, but it's, neither one of those fights seemed to materialize. We talked about it last week. Uh, GSP actually responded to Bisping while we were doing the show, mm. and uh, that didn't seem like it was going to come to fruition. The Diaz thing didn't either. And then uh, all of a sudden, Rockhold pulls out, Jacare is available, and he doesn't want to fight Jacare because he has injuries. Yeah. So his justification, I don't know if you saw. I did. Yeah. His justification, okay, for those of you who didn't, was that the GSP Diaz fight would earn him three to four million dollars. Um, and he said that the. Uh, a fight against Jacare would earn him a quarter of that, justifying the risk he'd be taking yeah. fighting with injuries. Uh, do you believe Bisping's excuse? Well, I think I it's it's uh, his reasoning. It, it's I mean he's hurt. Uh, it seems like he seems like he's hurt, and it certainly seems like uh, good reasoning to me <laughs> to use. Uh, and 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 it's pretty cool. And this is usually why. When you when you see certain guys or gals not taking fights or you know being willing to take one fight but not another, it's stuff like this. And I don't think that makes them cowardly. I think that makes them smart. The UFC fighters uh, don't have very good contracts, and so when you when you hear Michael Bisping, who has a contract with uh, a would be employer, talking about a gigantic range of what he can make depending on the fight, it's because his base pay is not that high. It depends on how much they'll draw. He probably has a piece of the pay-per-view action. So makes sense. If he's, I, I bet he's manged up. I know he was doing a, like a training vacation in in, uh, in Thailand not too long ago, I'm, I'm, you know, before the, uh, the Henderson fight. And then the Henderson fight was brutal. Like even if you scored for him, he got beat up really bad. Even he said it. So, yeah, he's injured. Now, it's very believable that he would try to take uh, a huge payday to fight uh, smaller men and Nick Diaz and, and George St. Pierre, that would be gigantic draws, but that he wouldn't do it for a lower amount of money. I think, you know, props for, to Bisping for telling people um, unabashedly how logic works and how budgeting works and how risk assessment works, you know? Well, I mean, this is the same thing that Woodley said when he was trying to yeah. fight, and he wanted to fight the same two people. Yeah. Was he was looking for the money. And... I don't think there's anything wrong with somebody looking for a fight that can benefit themselves if they, if it's not available. And right. I think another fight happens, is presented, uh, and you're healthy, you take it like Woodley did. Yeah. Um, but of course, if you're injured, like you shouldn't be fighting. Yeah, it's the timing with, of it with right. a fractured or- orbital. You shouldn't be fighting with a fractured orbital for <laughs> three, four million dollars, anyways. I know. But uh, I know. I know. I think they should make Bisbing wait for the number one contender, who I think is Hockaday. But if they're gonna, I don't think you should have to fight them like tomorrow, like they're suggesting. You right. Know? Yeah. You uh, the way that they've been stacking, or they've had so many title fights on cards. Mm. You know, they've been doubling up, which has been great. And fortunately, for the most part, there hasn't seemed to be a whole lot of injuries to derail that. Yeah. That um, 
you know, there's no need to try and force another title fight on the UFC 206. Some people say the UFC 206 card needs some more, something else to be there to make it great. But at the same time, you know, you you have three fights on yeah. 205, two on 207. Like you gotta give some people some time to breathe. Like Stipe can rest. <laughs> right, right. You know, what are you gonna do in January? What are you gonna do for the Super Bowl card? No, I think it's true. 206 is in that's the Toronto one, right? Yeah. I think the problem is that they they. <laughs> They have this card. This card exists while they let go of Rory McDonald or let him go elsewhere and don't want to pay George St. Pierre. So it's a problem in of itself, but you're right. Like overall, structurally, like, hey, we got to spread these people around, you know, the right. whole year. Yeah. So 206 might stink for, 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 for Toronto fans. Well, that's what everybody said about 204. Well, the action be, that's true. The action could be good. The action yeah. could be very good. That's the true. Star is, power is that may it, not be there, though. Right. Yeah. The problem is, is like the people might miss out on the action because Yeah, of, that's true. Stuff. Yeah. Which, Never uh, count on anybody. You know, you could have an awesome FS1 card, and, and usually they are, and, and the undercard or fight pass fighters. You know, that's for sure. And the last thing before we uh, bring on our guest, uh, Woodley and Wonderboy both agreed yeah, boy. that if Georgia St. Pierre was able to resolve his differences with the UFC and was signed to return, that he would should get or is deserving of an immediate title shot. Do you think that if GSP comes back, immediate title shot is the move, the fight to make? I think I will say that Damian Maia deserves the next title shot, uh, assuming that doesn't happen. Yeah. Uh, I you know I I don't I'm kind of giving up on that on that dream I think Damien's gonna have to win like 30 more in a row to get it it's with with the specter of Nick Diaz and George St Pierre returning but assuming Damien's Damien's gonna continue to get screwed over um, yeah yeah why not he you know he I don't agree with the decision I thought Johnny Hendricks beat George St Pierre but the fact is he retired as a sitting champion the fact is he's still really 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 popular so why why not you know unless you're gonna do like a really fun gimmicky fight like hey let's have him Go after Nick and get, you know... Or the Anderson solo. Or Anderson, yeah. Unless you're going to do that. Or, like, go up and wait to challenge Michael Bisping. Unless you're going to do that. Yeah, I, I don't want to see it because I don't think a Rusty George... There's a reason these guys are calling out the, maybe the best fighter in history. is because he's rusty as heck and they want to fight him now. I don't want to see Rusty George fight the best of the best or really big guys. I'd like to see him not fight or fight easier fights. But, um, yeah, I think that makes sense money-wise. I think, I think that makes sense respect wise for what George has accomplished if that's the type of fight he wants to do I don't know that he wants to fight a, a Stephen Thompson uh, their friendship and training history aside I think that's a rough matchup at this time unless he's better than ever somehow and reflexes reverse age on George I don't know Right. Speaking of a guy who's had that can kick down on him for a title shot Max Holloway yeah Anthony Pettis yeah very true they're itching you know some guys they want to get back up there and some guys are okay with keeping Keeping that king, uh, that can, as you say, going down the road a little bit more, and I think they'd love to have Showtime back in there. So uh, we're trying to get him on the line right now. Let's see, bear with us one second. All right, we got him on the line. Here with James Krause, UFC lightweight. Um, James, you know, unfortunately, uh, you had to pull out of your uh, fight with Ross Pearson that was coming up soon and had a horrible uh, leg injury. Um, We often don't put a lot of of talk into... into guys and, and gals getting injured. They get injured, they get replaced, uh, and then we don't really dis- discuss it much. Uh, now, but, but it's got to be a really rough thing uh, to have in your life. This is two times now that you have to, to pull out, I believe, with injury. Um, how frustrating is that to, to have happen? 
Well, actually, the first one wasn't an injury. Uh, it was it was family issues. You know, my stepdad passed away, and I had taken both my sisters and my family, and they you know started living with me. So uh, it was a it was you know, about three about three weeks out from my from my last fight with Ross. My my like I said, my stepfather died, and uh, it was just kind of a family a family deal. And I felt like I felt like the best choice was to make to to pull out and focus my energy and my effort on my family at the time. Um, this is the first fight in 50 fights that I've ever pulled out of due to injury. Um, and, you know, it's it's super frustrating because, of course, it's been Ross both times. So it's like, you know, you see a trend and it's like, man, I don't ever want anybody to think that, you know, that I don't want to fight against anyone because, you know, I, I pride myself on taking on any and all opposition that's ever been offered to me. And uh, to be honest, you know, this is with absolutely all due respect with Ross because I think he's a great fight, uh, great fighter, one of the pioneers of the, of the weight class. He's obviously been around for a long time, but I was really, really, really looking forward to this fight. Uh, for me, this was so a lot of improvement and uh, to get a big win over a well-known guy. You know, obviously that's why we fight is to figure out if that's really going to happen or not. But um, so. Anybody insinuating that my injury is fake is is ridiculous. I mean, I have basically what had happened was on Monday, Monday morning, uh, we do we wrestle here at my my gym in, in Kansas City, and we do a shark tank. So one guy's in, and you get fresh guys coming in trying to take you down. I just did a like a a, a pass by or a throw by, and my foot slipped out from underneath me. And long story short, my face pretty much went to like my knee or my foot. Big pop, um, excruciating pain is you know one of the most painful things I've ever been through. You know I, I've been fighting for ten years and I have almost fifty fights and I've I've never had a major injury before. So like I kind of knew something was different about this one. And uh, basically, your hamstring has four different muscles that kind of run through it. Uh, for muscles, three of mine are torn and partial to their complete torn all the way through um so i could you know like walking walking is 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 easy for me i can walk right now no problem um but like sitting down standing up any athletic movement whatsoever is excruciating pain and uh you know i have massive bruise down my all down my the back of my leg and like i said so if anybody questions it i mean i have the definitely have the proof to to show, but yeah, to answer your question, it's super frustrating. You, know, you sacrifice time, money, uh, energy, effort, uh, emotion, all of that. You sacrifice all that to, to prep for you know the biggest fight of your life, and because you know, every fight is the biggest fight of your life, and uh, you know, and it's uh, it's unfortunate, and it's what's unfortunate the most part is a it's Ross twice in a row now, so I feel like I've kind of screwed him over. And I'm, you know, I'm, golly, I feel like a Honestly, I feel like a big shitbag towards him. Uh, the things are out of my control. I can't really do anything about them. And you know, he's a he's a he's a gangster of a fighter. You know, he's never shied away from anybody. So I know he didn't skip the beat. Took the next fight. Um, went on about his day, but it didn't. It uh, just doesn't make me feel good. And the timing sucks about it. You know, both the, both the times I've had to withdraw have been about like three or four weeks out. So it's you know, it's right at the time where things start getting you know hot and heavy and and you're you're really getting close to the fight and it's just you know everything changes on so it really sucks man i just feel really bad for him i know he probably doesn't care but uh that's not my norm
normal, my normal thing. And uh, unfortunately, I've had two uh, examples in a row that have kind of uh, said against that. But uh, you know, it's not my normal thing. And uh, you know, I apologize to the fans because I was really looking forward to. It. I felt like this was an opportunity for me to really shine. You know, it's co-main event on a on a card in Ireland. I've always wanted to fight in Ireland. Uh, I've always wanted to fight. You know, it's everything that I've wanted. James, you talk about uh, economic, like putting money into a camp and 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 then not getting um, money back out of it because you have to you have to fight. Like how much, how much economic strain or pressure is is pulling out, um, putting on you? Well, fortunately for me, I've secured I've secured financial opportunities elsewhere uh, outside of the UFC, so it really doesn't. Uh, don't get me wrong; I mean, I'm not definitely not too good to take the the nice paycheck that comes with a fight, but. Uh, you know, I'm living just fine without it as well. Uh, so fortunately, I'm not in a position to where it's, you know, it makes or break my, my financial state. But, you know, it's still, it just sucks, man. It's not even about the money necessarily. Uh, the money's nice. The money is a result of all the hard work and dedication and sacrifice that's put in. You know, I'm, I'm here to test my skills, to test my uh, my grit. You know, I want to fight guys like Ross. You know what I mean? I want to fight Ross. I still do want to fight Ross. If offered the fight tomorrow... I would, I would, you know, take, and take it, given the, the time to recover and heal up. Obviously, it's, you know, I don't want to shy away from the fight. And if offered the fight again, I would be more than happy to take it. Uh, but, yeah, it's, you know, it sucks. It does suck. Have, have they told you if you're going to need surgery or not uh, to repair the hamstring? Um, they haven't told me I need to go. Uh, it's a complete tear. It's not, it's not uh, by the tendon or by the bone. I guess that's when you need to worry about the surgery, but I need to go see one more person. I'm talking to a couple specialists today to, to really let me know what the, the next option is, but um, from what it looks like, I will more than likely not need surgery, but I have not confirmed that yet. Well, that's that's good to hear. Obviously, having torn hamstrings, James, isn't, isn't good for your MME job, but you've got other jobs you own cell phone stores you own a number of of uh of martial arts academies uh and you obviously also a, a dad uh, how much is this injury getting in the way of your the rest of your life your other jobs oh yeah absolutely it's i mean i, I have a hard time playing with my 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 one and a half year old daughter because she's you know she's running all over the place getting you know jumping all over me so it's you know it makes things difficult for sure but uh work around stuff like that I guess you know I, like I'm not a I'm not a I'm not a victim and I'm not a dweller and uh you know I just I make the best of every situation so I don't want to act like life is terrible because it's not um I'm in a, I'm in a good place mentally uh and I'll even go as far as to say I'm in a good place physically I mean I've had one major injury in 10 years and 55 I'm doing okay like I don't this is just a minor setback to me I'm not stressing it I'm not tripping over it uh, I'll be back, and you know I've made massive amounts of progress within my last two training camps. Uh, you know, and I can't, I can't wait to show that whenever, whoever that may be against. James, you're going to be, you know, you're laid up. You're not mobile as as you ordinarily would be. Uh, for a lot of a lot of athletes, injury time is one of the biggest issues. Is it's kind of putting on a lot of weight. You're not you're not as active. You can't get to the gym. You're laid up, um, and it's easy to get out of shape. If if you don't have that normal activity level, um, is that is that like I don't know if you're a big eater? Is that going to be a tough thing for for you to do? Uh, you haven't had to miss fights before because of injury, so I know it's a t- it's a new thing for you. Uh, 
man, I get I get fairly big and in between fights, no matter what. I'm a big I'm a big lightweight. So, uh, to answer your question, yes, I'm gonna get a lot bigger, but don't don't be mistaken. I mean, I think this is a this is a lifestyle, and I I live the lifestyle of a of a fighter. And uh, whenever it comes time to turn on the diet and to, to pick things up and to get my weight where it needs to be to to compete again and train again. That won't be any question. Right now, I'm just going to treat this as recovery time, and I'm going to enjoy life. I'm going to enjoy spending time with my daughter. And, uh, you know, I'm going to eat pretty much. I don't say whatever I want. I'm not like I'm not binge eating or anything like that. But I'm going to fall want to go have some good Kansas City barbecue. I'm going to go do it. You know what I mean? It's just why, why not? Why not enjoy life? Uh, you know, whenever it's not like I can't even train right now. So uh, I'm, I'm going to enjoy life, and I'm going to probably get bigger, and that's that's fine. But whenever it comes time to to step back on the mats, make no mistake, I'll be I'll be one hundred percent ready to, to lock everything in and get back where I need to be. Well, it sounds like like that might be one silver lining uh, for James James that you get to eat whatever you want now, even though you don't get to do the fight. What are what are a, f- a couple foods, uh, a few foods that uh, that you're really looking forward to eating now that you weren't going to be able to eat when you were actually thought you were going to be in the last couple weeks of uh, training camp? I like a little bit of everything, but uh, honestly, I mean, I'm gonna enjoy. Uh, Denver has some awesome, awesome stuff to offer. I don't think it's any like one specific thing. I think it's just a, just a wide variety. You know, I'm excited to go to Ireland and be able to eat, you know, whatever, whatever I want. Uh, different cultures and and uh, you know, I like, but I like Thai food. Uh, I like pretty much everything, man. I like the Kansas City barbecue. Um, I'm, I'm hard to, I'm hard to. I'm not a picky person when it comes to, to eating, so, you know, like I said, I don't, I don't think it's just, I think just the, the freedom to, to enjoy food again is, you know, enjoy whatever I want, it's going to be nice. Awesome. That was James Kraus. James, thanks so much for coming on the Extra Rounds podcast with with Mike and I. Wish you the the best uh, with with your recovery and uh, with with your eating. And you know, it, it was interesting, Mike, because James is talking about he's going to be pretty busy. He's still going to go to Ireland, even though he's not fighting uh, to corner a teammate. Uh, he talked about the food he wants to eat in Ireland. Uh, he's still going to Denver um, to help. Um, to, uh, to help train like he uh, or coach teammates are going to be training like he was planning to for himself so and he's still got 30 businesses and, and family so is at least you know he's gonna have his mind occupied which is which is a good, a good thing in a hard time yeah and you know unfortunate circumstances forcing him off of two cards you, you know you hate to see that but i think um you know fighter pay is always an issue and i think he raises a good point uh about what he's done to diversify himself so that he's um in a more stable situation you hear people like tyrone woodley talk about this too yeah you know he's got a gym he's got businesses he's doing his acting um he's got his hands on all sorts of things where if a setback comes happens um it doesn't quite affect him you know other professional sports you're injured you still get paid right you know tony Romo is still getting paid and he hasn't played this year yeah very um, good point but if you if you're injured and you set out a fight you don't make your money exactly um Tyron Woodley maybe learned this the hard way because he's had, you know, issues like UFC 192. Well, I'm sure he had his businesses before then, but, you know, he's had history of opponents missing weight or fights falling, you know, the UFC 192 with Johnny Hendricks fight yeah. never coming to fruition yeah. and he finished cutting weight so he could get his show money and all that. So, um, it's a tough world. But I mean, it's important to have mm-hmm. those kind of things for a situation just like this to have the flexibility. Uh, one, so you're not in a bad position as a fighter, but two, so you don't have to make decisions unwisely because yeah. of it 
Yeah, it's such a tough thing. Like, even if you've got the ability, like a Shane Carwin, who his whole time in the UFC was an engineer, or Chris Lytle, who made Stipe Miocic, who stayed uh, paramedics and firemen their whole career. Like, when it doesn't go well, like, okay, balancing is good because you have the revenue stream. But also, can you do everything great? Like, it's tough if you're not completely committed. I know a lot of fighters are like, there's no plan B because I've got to do the best I can here. So, yeah, it's a, it's a tough it's a tough world in fighting. But James is an interesting thing where he started, as a young man, he started working at a cell phone store. And then eventually, he was doing so good, like, he got to manage it. And then I think uh, the manager, um, the owner asked him to, like, open up another one with him. And now he has several. Uh, and he's a great martial artist. So he thought, hey, I've learned about business. Why don't I open up academies? His academies have a lot of students. I think he's got, like, over 500 in, like, two different ones, I believe. Like, that's that's pretty incredible. But then you think of people like Uriah Faber with a tour clothing line. Yeah, he's sure. That. Um I think Anthony Pettis, he's also opened a gym, but mm-hmm. he also has restaurants, I think. Oh, that's right. Um, that's right. So, you know, there's... The, and while we, we've talked about focused on the benefit it provides the athlete during their career for situations like this, it also, you know, you can't fight forever. Yeah. It's setting yourself up for a future. You know, how many times do you hear the story about athletes retiring and not knowing what they're going to do? Right. You know, what, what do they, where do they go from here? I mean, one of the cases you saw about it is uh, Kobe Bryant. Like... Mm-hmm. You know, this comp- everybody's like, what is he going to do with this competitive drive? Well, it turns out he's, like, had this investment group that he's been working on quietly so that when he retired, he could start making investments and getting into that thing, much like an Ashton Kutcher yeah. does in the tech side of the thing. So That's interesting. Um, you know, it's thinking about what you're going to do afterwards and so That's you don't feel this, like... I'm out of the spotlight. What do I do? Yeah, you lose your identity, right? Like, right, you know, exactly. it's a big part of it. You mentioned the investment on, on a, in a different type of investment. Stefan Bonner, I remember him talking uh, to me a few years ago. Actually, when he came back to fight Anderson on short notice, like, he had really gotten into day trading and he made a business out of, like, day trading. So he had gotten into that. And, uh, it's, uh, it, it, and then I think, oh, I think they, did you see this? A lot of the fighters, they brought, like, a summon. I think they had, like, 20 or so veteran fighters. I think Joe Lozon was one of them who's been a guest here with us. They had a summit talking about like planning for your future, mm-hmm. <laughs> planning for your future without a UFC pension, like <laughs> seminar hosted by the UFC. I don't know the details of it, but uh, you know, Joe seemed to put positive things about the experience on social media. I know he's a guy that that thinks about it as well, even though he's a young man. He's been right. doing this for like 15 years, you know. Well, then you see somebody like Carlos Condit, who mm. seems like he's been fighting forever, but he's only 32. It's both. Right? He's young and he's been fighting forever, right? right? Yeah. <laughs> so, like, you know, you're like, man, Carlos Condit's been fighting forever. And you're like, what? He's only 32? Yeah. Like, how is that possible? Yeah. And, you know, people are talking about him potentially retiring. So, you know, what do you do at 32? Right. And I can't even fathom. Like, I know. The thing you do I best, a, which you've worked at your whole life, stop at 33 yeah. or 30 or something. I have an off day, and I don't know what to do with myself. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, wrapping up, this is the, getting to the final minutes of the show. We'll, we'll end it the way we started, talking about the Cubs. Sounds good. Are you going to the parade, <laughs> or are you putting plywood over your windows? <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think I'll be at the parade. I've got I've to teach over at uh, Team Dino Costeas, and then I've got a, a wedding at 3 in the suburbs from a cousin. So I think I'm going to be missing all the action and probably won't be missing all the traffic, unfortunately. I might be in the thick of that. I wonder how many people still show up for that wedding. <laughs> I, I'm from Texas, and you don't have weddings in the fall because funny. there's college football. No kidding. That's that's well. I mean, most of our family is Sox fans, so hopefully everyone shows up. Uh, hopefully, well, no one's go. a jerk. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's. Funny, They'll all probably appreciate it for a distraction. Yeah, so yeah. Have to think about. It. <laughs> um, 
on a side note, UFC 205 next weekend. So uh, we'll be doing a lot of stuff looking forward towards that fight next week. Um, schedule will be changed a little bit. We'll probably do the show earlier in the week because I will be traveling on Wednesday. So uh, we'll keep you tuned on the to- uh, Twitter account on when we're going to do next week's show. But uh, thank you, everybody, for tuning in and uh, watching the show. As always, in between episodes, feel free to call our number, leave a voicemail with your name and a message, and uh, we'll answer it on the show. It's 815-570-3923. You can subscribe to the podcast in iTunes. You can subscribe to it in Google Play. You can listen to it and tune in. Make sure to subscribe, review, leave five stars, ratings, pretty please um and that's all we got for you today do you have any party messages no just uh thanks guys all right we'll see you next week before the biggest week in mma history ufc 205